Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When nice guy Christian Rojas comes home from a day at the office, he steps into his worst nightmare. Anybody who looks at that scene can only think of the horrors of the last moments of Christian Rojas's life. Did this friendly soul have a secret enemy? There was factors in the crime scene that made me believe that whoever did this to Christian absolutely hated him. Police target a handful of suspects an attractive couple with a picture-perfect motive, some colleagues who may have given Christian way more than a pink slip, and a hot ex-girlfriend who could be packing the smoking gun. Maybe it was a love triangle, maybe it was a relationship that went bad, anything is possible. Untangling this twisted mystery sends police on a chase that takes their breath away. It made us think that if we ever do find this person, we better be very careful because they're not somebody who's shy when it comes to violence. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? Resting in the shadows of Big Brother Philadelphia, Ben Salem has a reputation for respecting its elders. Its history is as old as Pennsylvania itself, and this blue-collar town has welcomed some of America's greatest figures. George Washington, our founding fathers, they all came and, and stayed here in, in Ben Salem and other parts of Bucks County. I think when people come in and visit this area, they're here for the history. Though not everyone is here for a guided tour, some folks are lucky enough to call Ben Salem home sweet home. It is a nice place to live. You have lots to do with the city so close by, and yet it's still rural, it's still country. So, you know, you have the best of both worlds. One resident who's a perfect fit for Ben Salem is 28-year-old Christian Rojas, a web designer who moved here from Costa Rica just two years ago. And prosecutor David Zealous 
knows Christian's enjoying every minute of it. He was very happy here. He loved living where he lived. He loved working where he worked. And I think all in all, it was a great match. This newcomer on the rise makes some fast friends and even scores a hot blonde girlfriend who quickly moves into his one-bedroom apartment on the north side of town. When he met his girlfriend, he was flying high because at the time, she had the whole package. And let's face it, some people like seeing a woman who's successful, attractive, and smart. But just three months along, the relationship fizzles and she takes off. Thankfully, Christian has his buddies to lean on and family back home. He cared very much about his family. His family was in Costa Rica. He would talk to them all the time. He would work to send money to them. He wasn't one of those people who was just all about himself. He was about caring for other people. In fact, Christian's banking on a flight home very soon. But in August of 2005, he has no idea his plans are about to be grounded for good. Officer Brian McMahon is a relative newcomer to the Ben Salem PD, and this former Philly boy has the moxie to handle anything thrown his way. Growing up in the city, you definitely develop a different education. It's not a book education, and you really learn how to develop and manipulate situations to your advantage. But on Saturday, August 27th, McMahon is handed a surprise test that even he may have trouble with. It's just after two in the morning when two men show up at the PD with a bizarre story. Marcus Castellano tells police that his pal, Christian Rojas, was supposed to pick him up at the airport several hours earlier, but never showed. So he called his friend Phil for a ride. Instead of heading home, they went straight to Christian's place and found a gruesome scene. Christian, dead, in his very own bathtub. I don't think I've ever been involved with a call where an individual responded to headquarters till they believe their friend was just murdered. To make sense of this troubling tale, McMahon hightails it two miles over to Christian's apartment, wondering along the way how Marcus's story of murder and mayhem could play out in such a quiet part of town. You definitely think it's unusual at that apartment complex. The most serious calls you, know, you, you typically have over there might be a fraud or domestic of that nature. Within minutes, the dutiful officer arrives at the complex and scopes out Christian's first floor unit. The front door is locked, so he slips around back and enters through the unlocked patio door and into the living room. Although the lights are on inside, the scene is darker than he could ever imagine. You could see furniture. It was displaced in the apartment. There was blood stains on the carpet and the wall. It definitely looked like an, an altercation, a struggle uh, took place. Officer McMahon carefully steps over slashed couch cushions and broken knickknacks and weaves his way to the bathroom, where he finds Christian dressed in a t-shirt and jeans, partially submerged in a tub full of water. He's been hogtied with an electrical cord and a pillow is covering his head. The way he was positioned, the way he was bound, you could tell. Unfortunately, he struggled his last breath. He came here looking for success, happiness, and peace. He found success, happiness, and unfortunately, the peace didn't last too long. It's not clear if Christian was dead before his killer covered his head or if he suffocated to death. 
the officer is also curious to know why several unopened condoms are floating in the water. Was this a sexual encounter that turned fatal? Hoping for answers, Officer McMahon phones the boys from homicide, and one of Ben Salem's finest answers the call to action. Detective Chris McMullen is a local boy, born and raised. In his 13 years on the force, McMullen has earned quite the reputation. They call me Chopper, because when I used to give polygraph exams, they used to say it was like going through a chopping block because I was very tough on them. Despite his hard-nosed moniker, McMullen is shaken by the situation playing out on Bristol Road. Looking at that crime scene, it was just atrocious. It was one of the worst I'd ever seen. And it's about to get a lot worse. When McMullen removes the pillowcase from Christian's head, it's clear he didn't die quickly. A pair of socks is wrapped around his neck like a makeshift noose, and there are numerous lacerations to his head and scalp. Some of them were maybe only a half inch, some of them were more than an inch long. They were not a cause of death, they were really just a cause of, of pain and suffering and torture. Looking up at the tiled shower walls, Officer McMullen can tell the torture didn't end there. Big spots of blood appeared to have been from the victim's head, and it appeared to me that because of the height they were at, that he was on his feet when it happened. So he was maybe against his will, but forced or corralled into the bathtub, and that his attacker started basically smashing him into the walls. Clearly someone had it in for Christian, and McMullen is certain it's someone close to him. It just became very clear to me that whoever did this knew him and they had some kind of ax to grind with him. They were very, very angry. He was a rage killing. Somebody wanted to make him hurt. The detective has a feeling the wrapped condoms left behind in the tub just might lead him to Christian's killer. I took it as a symbolic message and it made me think that the motivation for this may actually have been jealousy. It just screamed of, of some type of personal, that's what I think of you, or something like that. As Detective McMullen finishes his sweep of the bathroom, investigators fan out to search the rest of the apartment. Because the place is such a mess, it's hard to tell if anything's missing. Though something on the living room floor stands out amongst the wreckage, a smashed photo of Christian, arm in arm with a good-looking couple. Christian was from Costa Rica, and the woman in the photograph, she looked like she was Costa Rican as well. So maybe it's a relative, I don't know. Maybe it's a love interest. And if it is, perhaps McMullen is looking at the picture of Christian's killer. And maybe all the players were in that photograph that was laying on the ground. I didn't know at the time. Meanwhile, detectives scouring the outside of the apartment do know something. Christian's green Saturn is not in its usual spot or anywhere else in the lot. At that point, it was a pretty good assumption that his killer had also stolen his car. We could find that car, maybe we could find the killer. With their apartment search complete, police send Christian's body off to the morgue and hightail it back to the station to sort out this troubling whodunit. We had a victim that lived alone, that was brutally murdered, his car was missing. There were some things in the crime scene that made me believe that whoever did this to this person absolutely hated him. But before McMullen can develop his theory any further, a man who looks awfully familiar shows up at the police department. 
He was certainly somebody I wanted to talk to because I had seen him in that photograph. Might this man be the third side in a photographic love triangle? Maybe Christian fell prey to a framed suspect who was dead set on revenge. As this dark mystery develops, police get a snapshot of Christian's secret life. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Rumor has it that Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, is the site of Ben Franklin's famous kite experiment, which sparked his theory of electricity. These days, it's fear that's in the air after the recent death of Christian Rojas. And Courier Times reporter Lori Mason Schrader is doing her best to keep residents grounded. It's ex extremely unusual to have a murder, especially one as heinous as this, occur in our community. I know that the neighbors in the apartment complex were just shocked and very scared when they heard what happened. Fortunately, just hours after Christian's death, police are working a hot lead that just might make headlines. After finding a broken picture of Christian posing with a mystery couple, Detectives are shocked to see the man from the photo, 36-year-old Antonio Farina, appear right before their eyes. I immediately recognized him, and uh, I, I figured he would have some type of input on this investigation, whether it was 
to help give us additional information to point us in the right direction or whether he was going to turn around and say, yeah, it was me. I don't know. But I was very pleased that he was here. Still, the surprise appearance makes police wonder. Is Antonio simply a grieving friend trying to help police or is he hiding a dark secret? To find out, police ask him straight out, who posed for the picture with him and Christian? And he readily admits it's his wife, Sonia, a woman Christian has known for years. Both he and his wife, Sonia, and Christian, the three of them were friends, which would explain the photograph that I had seen, the three of them together, they were obviously very close. According to Antonio, they were close enough to live together, three's company style, several years ago. That is until Antonio and Sonia developed feelings for each other, and Christian became the odd man out. Ultimately, Antonio and Sonia got married, and Christian saw it fit that he would let them live together alone now as man and wife, and he went and got his own apartment. Police can't help but wonder if Christian didn't leave on his own, but was asked to leave by Antonio. The fact that they, they, they were friends and they used to live together, and then that Antonio had married Sonia, it, we explored the possibility that maybe Christian had had an affection for Sonia. Antonio quickly scoffs at the wild accusation. If there was any hanky-panky going on between Christian and Sonia, he would have known about it. Police plan to confirm Antonio's story with his bride later. But for now, they've got no evidence linking Antonio to the crime and move him to the back burner. We had no reason to believe that, that Antonio had anything to do with Christian's death. There was never any situation where he would have the motivation to do anything like that. But before letting him walk, detectives ask if he knows who might have done this. Antonio thinks police should talk to Christian's ex-girlfriend, a woman he knows little about. He described her as tall with blonde hair. She was over six feet tall and had some type of drug addiction. Christian had done his best to help her kick her drug habit. However, it, he did not succeed at that. He was offended by drugs. You know, that just wasn't something that he would put up with. So that was the end of their relationship. Antonio goes on to say that just a week before the murder, Christian told him she lost her job and begged Christian for a place to stay even though they were no longer an item. A plea that Christian couldn't refuse. He thought, okay, she's hit the bottom. She's coming to me for help. Now I can help set her straight. But if Christian's girlfriend was staying with him at the time of his murder, where is she now? Police are eager to track this blonde beauty down, but there's a problem. Although Antonio met her a few times, he only knows her as Heather and doesn't have the foggiest idea about her last name. It's a lot of Heathers in the phone book. So we needed to find out who Heather was. We were very frustrated that we couldn't identify her immediately. So Detective McMullen pounds the pavement, looking for Heather or anyone else with information on this mysterious stranger. And to assist him on this fact-finding expedition, McMullen recruits a sidekick a man as loyal as they come. Sergeant Andrew Annensman is one tough cop who lives to solve tough cases. With over 17 years on the force, Annensman can honestly say he's seen it all. 
There are many tragic events that still stick in my mind and at times will bother me. So there's constant reminders, but overall, tragedy is obviously something that we have to deal with within our job. And after reading over Christian's case file, Annensman can't seem to understand why anyone would want this nice guy dead. When somebody lives their life basically below the radar, it makes it very difficult investigating a case because when you have people say, hey, he's a good guy, he's a good guy, well, obviously somebody thought he wasn't a good guy and wanted him removed. Police are hoping the autopsy report will tell them just who that person was, whether it was the elusive Heather or someone else, and possibly give them some insight into Christian's final hours. One of the goals is we want to find out when was the last time Christian was alive, who he was with, what was he doing, and we learned a lot from this autopsy. According to the ME, Christian was not sexually assaulted. And when he takes a closer look at Christian's scalp, he agrees that those vicious head wounds weren't what killed him. The coroner says Christian suffered severe trauma from the beating, but most likely took his last breath when the killer strangled him with the socks. There were obvious signs of blunt trauma to the skull, and it was approximately 15 blows to the head externally that the coroner determined was one cause of Christian's death. The ME agrees with police. Whoever did this was strong enough to overpower Christian and inflict more than a little damage. I definitely thought we were looking for a guy. It just was very clear that it was done by somebody that was very violent and very strong. And we're all thinking that if this Heather girl has something to do with his death, even if she is six foot two and she's like Wonder Woman, I don't think that she was able to physically do to this person what was done which then made us think, well, maybe there is more than one person. Based on the level of decomposition, it seems Christian died on Thursday night, about 36 hours before he was found, which leaves detectives in the dust. It means that whoever did this to him has quite a head start on us. His car is missing. Uh, we have no eyewitnesses of anybody going out of the apartment. With precious time ticking away, detectives pick up where they left off and they score big after receiving a tip from yet another former roommate, who Christian bunked with after he left Antonio and Sonia. Eric Magan gives police some info, which adds a new twist to this already perplexing mystery. Seems when it came to finances, Christian would rather stash his money than take it to the bank. We never found any large amounts of cash in his residence. We never found a safe although we were told that he had a safe. So now we have robbery as a possible factor as well. Was money, not lust and rage, the motive for Christian's murder? If so, it opens up a vault full of new suspects. And now we want to talk to everybody who may have even had a conversation with Christian, whether it be a neighbor, whether it be family, friends, somebody he works with, somebody who may have said, hey, you know, Christian's got a lot of money in there. They may have just told the killer, go get your money. What else might Christian have been hiding? As detectives dig deeper, they learn the secrets didn't stop at his apartment door. The natural beauty of Ben Salem, Pennsylvania has provided a picture-perfect backdrop for several Hollywood suspense movies. But just 24 hours after handsome bachelor Christian Rojas is found dead in his apartment, 
residents fear they're trapped in a real-life thriller of their own. The more people talked about it, um, the, the more frightened neighbors would become as they would call their friends and, and it spread through all the different communities. We didn't know where the killer was. He could have been anywhere in Bucks County. After learning that Christian might have had a large wad of cash in his apartment, detectives are starting to wonder if robbery was the possible motive. Christian didn't like to use banks and banks' accounts. I guess coming from Costa Rica, it may be something that's norm over there, but whatever money he had, he kept with him or he kept in his apartment. However, police never found any cash during their sweep of the crime scene. So that might be why the apartment was in such disarray. That started to make the crime scene make a little more sense now because the place was ransacked so, so drastically. Cushions being ripped open, uh, drawers just being turned over and flipped. And one person that might have been searching for cash is mystery girl Heather, Christian's tall, blonde ex-girlfriend, a woman whose drug addiction cost her her job as a business executive. Police are now wondering if it also cost Christian his life. After all, no one's seen her since Christian turned up dead. I see people arrested on a daily basis for committing crimes, and the only reason for, for committing those crimes is to support their drug habit. So very easily could murder become a part of that. Trouble is, detectives haven't found a lick of evidence which reveals her true identity. Very frustrated. Nobody knew her last name. Everybody that knew Christian, they, no one could tell us her last name. But investigators don't have time to sit around waiting for this ghost to appear, so they continue to pursue other leads. They get a call from a reporter at the local newspaper, and he's got some haunting information to share. Seems a pal of Christians in Louisiana caught wind of the murder, and he emailed the paper, saying he thinks he knows who was responsible. One of our reporters gets a, an email that Christian was afraid of the people he was working with. He described them as sort of an underworld type of people that uh, could get him killed if he doesn't do the right thing at work. Obviously, we turned the email over to the police immediately. 35-year-old Ben Canning, the email's author, left his name and contact info, offering to help however he can. So detectives quickly get on the horn with Ben at his home in the Bayou State. Christian fears that somebody's going to do harm to him. You know, we take it seriously. He lets somebody know that he's in fear of his life, and now he's dead. So we're obviously going to run with that. When asked to elaborate, Ben says that Christian mentioned a few nasty arguments with some co-workers, specifically brothers Joel and Bradley Pisano, the men Ben thinks had it in for Christian. I wasn't quite sure what to think. Whoever did this to him had an axe to grind with him. Maybe it was a business axe. According to Ben, Christian was so scared of the Pisanos, he even talked about leaving the company. And when police check over the brothers' file, they learn Christian's worries were nothing to scoff at. Although the Pisanos have never been in trouble with the law, a close relative is very familiar with the inside of a cell. He was actually a hitman from Brooklyn. Uh, with ties to the New York mob and the Philadelphia mob and had committed a homicide in Philadelphia that he had been arrested for. 
detectives wonder if these apples didn't fall far from the tree. You find out that they have had other family members that have gone down that path, that on some level they're no stranger to violence. Oh, you're going to take a look. So police pay the brothers a visit at their nearby office. When questioned, the brothers seem cooperative enough, saying they knew all about Christian's plans to leave the company and even supported his decision to move on. So much so, they loaned him a few bucks to cover his rent, money he never paid back. When you're told that there were some problems and he was going to leave the company, and they've been providing him with things aside from a paycheck, such as helping him pay his rent, and then that person winds up brutally murdered, it was definitely a red flag. Given the fact that Christian owed the brothers some money, and they've got quite the family reputation, police can't help but wonder, is it possible the Pisanos had Christian terminated once and for all? In today's world, you see it all the time on TV. There's this animosity and people get killing their co-workers. You know, murders in businesses are becoming more prevalent now. But the Pisanos tell detectives to cancel their made-for-TV theories. They swear they weren't upset over the money Christian owed them. And with no evidence to the contrary, police can only take their word for it. I never got the indication from them that there was a lot of bad blood. Uh, you know, some things weren't working out so well, but at the end of the day, they truly seemed upset and they were trying to help us get to the bottom of it. With nothing new to go on, police will need a little luck if they're going to reel in the real suspect. And that's exactly what they get when a call comes in from Marcus Castellano, Christian's close friend who found his body that awful night. Seems Marcus has been doing a little detective work of his own and uncovered the last name of the woman who's eluded them, Heather, Heather Lavelle. There were some high fives going on. We were very happy. Now we know who we're looking for. But was it Heather who did in her former live-in lover? Or did someone else have a bone to pick with Christian? Recognized for its farms, parks, and gardens, Ben Salem is considered one of the prettiest towns in the Keystone State. But ever since 28-year-old Christian Rojas was murdered just two days ago, no one has time to stop and smell the roses, including prosecutor David Zealous. There was an absolute sense among everybody that all hands on deck, because we have a real killer out there and we need all the help we can possibly get to try to solve this as soon as possible. Police have ruled out Christian's mafioso colleagues, as well as his photogenic friend, Antonio Farina. Though there's one person they haven't been able to question, Christian's tall blonde ex-girlfriend, Heather Lavelle. But now that Christian's friend, Marcus Castellano, has tracked down her last name, police are one step closer to the leading lady in their murder mystery. We wanted to get to Heather pretty badly at this point. We felt that she was the key to everything. Either she was responsible on some level for what happened or she knew what happened. Marcus tells police he got her name from a friend of a friend a man who dated Heather a few years back, but has no clue where his former flame lives now. 
so police do a background check of their own and score big. I was able to check her name in our own database through our master names index and found out that she had been involved in some other incidents here in Ben Salem, uh, domestic disputes with another boyfriend. According to records, Heather and a guy named James Savage duked it out just three weeks before Christian's death in neighboring Croydon. Although Heather wasn't injured, she did file a report, but James was never charged. And when detectives read through his file, they learned the domestic spat with Heather wasn't his first. He had been married. He had since been widowed. But prior to his wife's passing away, there was an incident where she had actually made a report and filed charges against him for threatening her with a rifle. It's a shot in the dark, but police wonder if James' violent history means he had something to do with Christian's death. Maybe James thought Heather and Christian were rekindling an old flame and personally snuffed him out. Or perhaps he was in cahoots with Heather all along, swiping Christian's cash to fund a drug spree. At that point, we knew Heather and this person were connected. He was the most recent boyfriend with Heather. So we knew right then, you know, they're the people we're honing on. After checking out one of James's old mugshots, detectives have no doubt this savage would be capable of dishing out the kind of violence Christian endured. He is appropriately named. He's a very big, strong, scary-looking guy. Certainly the kind of person that easily could have picked Christian up in a bathtub and smashed him back and forth into the walls. So police make the three-mile trek to the address listed on the domestic report to see if Heather and James might be holing up there. But detectives are surprised when an older woman answers the door. She identifies herself as Mrs. Savage, James's mother. After telling her who we are, explaining that we're looking for her son and Heather Lavelle, she does verify to us that Heather is her son's girlfriend and that she has been staying there at their home. At least she was. James's mom says she kicked her son's no-good girlfriend out a few days earlier. She didn't like Heather. She didn't really go into why, but it was made clear that Heather was no longer to be there. Mrs. Savage goes on to say that James begrudgingly packed up Heather's stuff. Then the duo hit the road. She's not sure where they went, but things got weird the next morning when the pair showed up at her office. Heather and James had left her house the day before in one of her cars. Now they were driving a car she'd never seen before. James showed up and he was driving a small green car. This car sounded an awful lot like the car that Christian had been driving that was now missing. He transferred all of Heather's belongings that were in her maroon car into the green car. Uh, he then told his mother that they were going to the shore for the week, and he left. There's no doubt in detectives' minds that the couple swiped Christian's car, and it's starting to look like they took his life as well. Trouble is, Investigators have no clue which shore town the duo is heading for. We knew they were heading towards either New Jersey or maybe Delaware. We weren't sure which direction they were going, but we figured towards the ocean. Hoping Heather and James are still behind the wheel of Christian's green Saturn, police issue an APB. If any police officer in the United States runs the tag, it'll come back as stolen. Subjects may be wanted for murder. 
While they anxiously wait for the car to turn up, detectives search high and low for the Bonnie and Clyde wannabes. They know the couple is likely out of state by now, but they start by sniffing around locally, trying to pick up their scent. And police get a lucky break after calling around to all the motels in town. We know they had to have slept. We wanted to see if they actually went to any of our hotels. And I believe it was the third motel that we picked out. Uh, we were able to confirm that James had registered that night at the motel. When investigators follow up with the motel, they're informed the duo checked out around 7.30 on Friday morning, the day after Christian's death. But detectives wonder if the motel's eye in the sky might just give them some additional details on their fugitives. We continued to watch the hotel video surveillance till about 7.30 in the morning, where they had then uh, exited the motel room. And at that point, we watched them get into the green Saturn. The camera system was relatively good, so in the early morning hours when the sun was up, we were actually able to see James was driving and Heather was the passenger. Only where could they be heading? We've lost the scent. We don't know where they're at at the moment. But three days later, detectives get a call from their colleagues to the south, saying the missing car has been located. However, one of the people inside doesn't match their suspect's descriptions. It's very mysterious. It's, it's surprising. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. We wanted to get down there as soon as we can because we wanted to talk to them. Did this dangerous twosome elude police once again? Or will detectives finally be face to face with the monsters who did the unthinkable to poor Christian? After seven grueling days, police in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania are hot on the trail of the couple they think killed Christian Rojas. Seems Christian's ex-girlfriend, Heather Lavelle, and her current boyfriend, James Savage, are on the lam and heading south, staying one step ahead of frustrated detectives. We're not sure where else to go, what to look for. We're waiting for some kind of break. We got that break around 2.30 in the afternoon on September 1st. And what a lucky break it is. Turns out, a dramatic high-speed chase in Nags Head, North Carolina, has police there in a frenzy. It was a full, blown-out pursuit, something you see on TV. It's exhilarating. It's exciting. At the center of attention, a green Saturn, just like the one that belongs to Christian. The Nags Head police say they chased the car for several minutes after the driver refused to pull over for passing in a no-passing zone. And stopping the runaways wasn't a one-man job. There was multiple police cars involved. The police officers had their stop sticks out. And when the car became disabled, the driver and passenger bolted for the beach. Police gave foot chase. From what I understand, it took them about 10 or 15 minutes, but they found them. We were very relieved. There's a lot of high fives going on. Nags head investigators tell their Ben Salem counterparts that the man in custody appears normal, but the woman is a sight to behold. She's sporting a bad dye job, now a raven-haired brunette instead of a blonde bombshell. But the new hairdo can't hide who she is. Turns out this dim-witted duo forgot to ditch their IDs. Driver's licenses show it's Heather Lavelle and boyfriend James Savage.
Sometimes there's some brain cells that are burned out, and I guess they figured they would wash them and use them again. Investigators hightail it down to the Outer Banks. But before they interview these characters, they want to get their hands on Christian's car, which is waiting at the local impound lot. Perhaps something inside will help seal the deal. I think we had a very good case on them, and I think we would have put it on them. But we were hoping to find anything that would further tie them in to this murder. When Detective McMullen opens the trunk, he thinks he just might be staring at the missing link. We found essentially one of the murder weapons, a set of brass knuckles that had blood on it. And one of the causes of death was blows to his head. Armed with this trunk full of evidence, police confront the couple who are being held at the local jail. Detective McMullen starts with the most intimidating of the two, James Savage. He's a big, physically menacing person. So I was sitting there in the room with him alone, and I said, you know, if this guy decides to get angry, this is not going to be good. But he kept his cool. McMullen cuts to the chase and confronts James with the telltale items found in the vehicle's trunk. And this giant unleashes a huge admission that he helped his girlfriend finish off Christian. Although James's reason for the murder blows detectives away. Heather made up a story that Christian had raped her. I honestly think in Savage's mind, he knew that that didn't happen, but here was his opportunity to be a superstar to his girlfriend and decided he needed to murder Christian. Heather's a very smart, intelligent person, and James is a very strong, powerful person that was probably very easily manipulated by Heather. Put simply, I believe she was the brains behind all of this and he was the brunt. With James's confession in hand, police pay Heather a visit to get her side of the story. Heather's beefy boyfriend crumbled easily, but will she? Detectives quickly find out just how tough a cookie she really is. She was very matter-of-fact and very cold. She was a little bit resistant at first as far as, well, I don't know if I want to talk about it. I don't have a PhD after my name, but it sounds like a sociopath to me. But this sociopath has met her match. Detectives keep Heather until she caves in and admits to being the mastermind. She tells police she used the bogus rape story to rile up her boyfriend, hoping she'd convince him to attack Christian and steal his money. From her point of view, they were there because Christian had money in the house and they both were strung out and they needed money to buy drugs. It was a robbery that unfortunately went very bad. With the duo's confession on the books, James and Heather are extradited back to Pennsylvania, where they're placed in front of a judge. Hoping to avoid a death sentence, James and Heather decide to plead guilty to first-degree murder, robbery, and conspiracy. Heather Lavelle was the first woman from Bucks County to face a death penalty in Pennsylvania. And ultimately, they did not get the death penalty. But they were given life in jail. Either way, I was happy. Based on the couple's confession and the evidence, here's what police believe happened that fateful night. Desperate for cash, drugged out Heather knows exactly how to stuff her pockets. Using the very key Christian gave her when they lived together, 
she and James sneak inside Christian's apartment while he's at work and steal his safe. James Savage wouldn't have had a key to his apartment. James Savage wouldn't have known Christian's habits, let alone his banking habits. That all came from Heather. But when they crack it open back at James's mom's place, it's empty, sending the couple into a coke-fueled frenzy. So that infuriated them. So they responded back to Christian's apartment. They ended up destroying some portions of his couch to see if he had the money hidden there. They didn't locate a dime. So they figured we're gonna wait for Christian to come home and we're gonna take his money. When Christian arrives, they ambush him. But Christian swears he doesn't have any cash, a claim the couple doesn't buy. So they decided they needed to torture him until he would give up where the money was. And Christian didn't have any more money and he pled with them. However, James isn't ready to negotiate. He strikes Christian more than a dozen times in the head with brass knuckles, then drags Christian into the bathtub and slams him into the tile wall. Now he's got all these wounds on his head and and the scalp there, the, you know, the, the capillaries, they, they bleed very easily. And that's what caused all those blood stains in the bathroom. Christian fights back with everything he has, but that only makes things worse. He was hogtied and he was gagged. And they, they were measures that they had taken to prevent other people from hearing what they were doing to this poor guy. And they just continued to torture him until finally he was tortured enough where they killed him. After Christian is gone, James decides to send a final message that Heather is his girl now, grabbing some condoms from the medicine cabinet and throwing them into the water. In, in his mind, it was more of a justified killing. Uh, he felt that he was defending Heather's honor. With Christian's killer off the streets, police and residents can finally breathe a sigh of relief. We're not the Hamptons, but we live in a fairly safe community. So the fact that they were arrested, it gave our community a chance to kind of regroup and start moving on with their lives. For Christian's friends and family, the pain of his death will never subside. But they find peace knowing his memory will live on forever. And that the term Pura Vida comes to mind. And Pura Vida is a Costa Rican term or phrase which means have a pure life, live life to the fullest, that sort of thing. I'm quite sure Christian was. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program.